0: Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 I'm very, very excited right now to be back talking some PGA golf with a Millie maker. DraftKings said, you haven't got it for a while. We'll give you the salaries a week early. We'll give you a Millie maker to talk about Sal. Here you go. Get it done. So what did I do? I'm going to make a first look video, which we don't normally do for golf because you only get, you know, Monday to Wednesday to really prep for the show. So you do a breakdown, maybe a live stream. But now that we got a week, I'm going to do a first look video in this one right here. Get you familiar with one who's actually in this tournament, specifically Charles Schwab, who's actually going to be playing at the Colonial. So we'll get through all those names. It's like a major field since they haven't been playing in a while. It's like every single name that you want to see outside of probably Tiger is going to be playing in this one. So very excited to be breaking it down. So the schedule for PGA, this will be the first look video. On Monday, I'll do the in-depth breakdown, position by position targets, guys to avoid. And then Wednesday, I'll come back for a live stream, which I don't normally do, but there's a million dollars. So we got to talk about it. I'll be doing a live stream. So you got about a 45 minute window. If you want to come in there, ask me any specific questions that you have. And to be sure that you don't miss the live stream, hit the subscribe button right now. Take a second, hit the big old one that just popped up on the screen and tap the notification bell. That'll say, hey, Sal just went live. want to come ask him your PGA questions. Hop on in there. So that's as simple as that. And then also on Patreon, these sheets are completely revamped. I added a ton by salary range right now. A ton of stuff that's rankings, very easy, neat to look at. There will also be rankings. And then on Wednesday, there will be a Patreon only show for the PGA for this Millie maker. We're going to be talking about on Patreon, just really each range where I'm going, my my exposure is going to be looking like. And then the big one ownership, because when golfers haven't played in three months, we're going to have to be taking our ownership Measures even higher than normal in the most variant sport, if you will, with me here in PGA. So I'm very excited. I've been waiting a while for this. We've been playing some of the other sports. We've been really enjoying the MMA. We've been dabbling in with all the esports, continuously playing them. But PGA is one of my favorite DFS sports, right there with NFL to play in general. And the fact that it's back, oh baby, I can feel it. I'm very excited. Hopefully you're there. Sit back, relax, take your shoes off. Hopefully you could feel the energy and the excitement that I've got right now at 4:30 in the morning with only one coffee in me right now. So this is marvelous. It's going to be a great show. Again, what we do here, if you're brand new is we sit back, we relax. We take an analytical approach to this in some sports. We'll look at the film in golf. You can look at film as well to kind of get an idea of what their stroke is looking like. But for the most part, we'll take an analytical approach. We usually like to have a combination of long-term and short-term form. What we're going to be looking at right now is mainly long-term form. We look at the short-term form right before the pandemic happened, but we've had three months of an off season where hopefully we get some reports on what players are doing during this time. But for the most part, we're going to be going in blind. So relying on ownership in DFS tournaments is going to be absolutely critical more critical than usual so without further ado let's start it off and the only thing that i will ask is hit that like button before we go a big old subscribe button again just popped up on the screen take a second bottom right hand corner tap that bad boy and the notification bell when you subscribe within the video it tells youtube hey these people are engaging with the content they're liking it they're subscribing let's show it to more people so they subscribe and come back for more videos on this platform so thank you so much for that and then you can also check out my patreon link down below to have these sheets that have the rankings the wednesday show as well where we'll discuss ownership and where i'm going exactly with a lot of this stuff and then there'll be a ton of other sports in there as well that you can can kind of dabble into not just pga with that package so with that said let's start it off in the 10k plus range and as you probably and likely already know the man at the top of this one the most expensive golfer as he usually is when he's in a field not twelve thousand dollar rory but eleven thousand eight hundred dollars and it got me thinking because i think justin thomas was 12 grand 12k once he won the tour of champions it was either coming into the tour of champions or after he won it i guess it would make more sense after he won it he was twelve thousand dollars flat we're getting Rory here. $11,800. So it's pretty easy to just look at Rory's name and say, you know what, there's going to be a lot of value this week. It's like a tournament. It's like a major field. Let's just click it. So I see 11800 and I can't blame you. I personally normally stay away from Rory and it hasn't burnt me this year right the guy's been so expensive that it kind of it doesn't burn you if you don't play him it doesn't burn you if you do play him because he's just been so consistent I mean if we're looking at just his results so far this year a third at the Farmers a fifth at the Genesis a fifth at the WGC and a fifth at the Arnold Palmer but that Arnold Palmer is going to end up being exactly pretty much three months apart because that tournament started on March 8th so he's as consistent as they come all he does is get top fives I mean you could draw it even further back than that he hasn't missed the cut since July of last year at the U.S. Open and since then he's had a fourth a sixth a 19th and then a bunch of top fives since August 25th. Rory McIlroy has not finished outside the top five, but maybe just maybe having three months off. I'm sure he's been doing something in there, but having three months off you would think it's going to, if anything, maybe this is the week that he does get outside the top five. But it's also a case to be said that he's the least variant golfer that we've seen over the past year, right up there with some other expensive guys like John Rahm, even JT a little bit below him, but mainly raw McElroy. So why not just take a stab on him? You feel good about him. I usually don't play the very expensive golfers because one, if they do have ownership and a lot of the times that they do for stars and scrubs lineups, well, it's just a natural pivot for me at that point. And then two, they're very expensive. So the best way for them to pay off your salary is they need a top five. And for them to really, really, really be worth it for you. They probably need a top three or winning the whole damn tournament when Rory's almost $12,000. So love Rory. I mean, he's literally first in every single thing that really matters. If you think about it, birdie or better, bogey avoidance, stroke gained total, strokes gained, tee to green approach, all this stuff. He's just an absolute beast off the tee. But for me personally, the seven to one favorite in this field, the number one ranked golfer in the world is going to be somebody that I'm staying away from at least early on in this first look. Looking at the rest of these golfers on a first look basis, not trying to go too deep into them. We'll do that on Monday. Uh, some of the ones that do stand out to me is Bryson hitting the 10k Range, and I think it's deservingly so. And I think some of the the, the bulking in the offseason in these last three months of him having, I think people are thinking that he's just ready to go here. Now, in three of the last four years, he's missed the cut in three of his four years playing here. His best finish was a T-42 in 2018. So it is a little bit concerning, but his off the tee game is trending in an insane direction. Bryson is the person who's trending like the best on tour right now. If you consider that Rory can't be trending good because he's just always good. But if you're just looking at what Bryson's been doing as of late, a fifth, a second and a fourth in his last three events, uh, the first one starting at the Genesis back in February. And the big thing that we're knowing from Bryson is the way that he's changing his approach and just hitting bombs to quote Phil Mickelson, because 7.2 strokes gained off the tee in his last event, sixth event before that, 3.8. He's just been an absolute beast off the tee. He's averaging close to 9.5 in his last three contests with those top five finishes, strokes gained tee to green. So Bryson at 10-1 might surprise a lot of people, but it's deservingly so. The issue though, is that you have other consistent golfers like Rory, John Rahm, JT's even up there. So now Bryson at the 10-1 tag, you're not used to him being as consistent. This specific year though. And over the last month of the season before the pandemic hit, he was one of the most consistent golfers with Rory McIlroy. So I don't think it's an egregious price point. I do think though people normally don't see Bryson's name around the 10k range. So it's going to be a little bit hesitant for people to hit that button. Maybe it gives us lower ownership on Bryson because I wouldn't mind starting some lineups there. Heading down now to the 9k range, it starts off with Webb Simpson. We know Webb ended up winning the waste management this year. He finished third at the Sony. He finished 10th at the Hero. So the guy's got three top tens after finishing 61st at the WGC where he was just awful. He lost almost six strokes tee to green. So yeah, Webb Simpson right now at 9,800. He's going to be a guy that I don't think picks up any ownership when a couple golfers below him, I'm assuming are going to pick up ownership. I think that all the upper 10K range and JT, Rom and Rory will pick up ownership. So he's very similar to at least Bryson right now, in my mind, the way that I look at this playing before, maybe they draw a little bit less ownership, but even then I don't really have a lot of interest in Webb Simpson uh, because of that. But maybe we kind of take off uh, the names of all this in Web stats and the way that he's been playing before the pandemic hit do come into effect here with a lot of variants going on, maybe take into account the long-term putting of Webb Simpson, and how good he's been in that department as of late. Obviously, uh, one of the better putters just in general since he changed his stance and one of the better putters in the world at this point, top 10 in birdie or better. So Webb does stand out. But the biggest thing that stands out here in the 9K range is just Dustin Johnson at $9,500. And I think a lot of people might just forget how bad DJ has been uh, since the pandemic or right before the pandemic and I also think that a lot of people might overblow how bad he was and now just want to automatically get away from him like he finished 10th at the Genesis he was piecing it together he finished 7th in his first start at the Tour of Champions he was not great at the AT&T Pro-Am but a lot of people on the weekend just kind of gave up at that point because it was windy the weather was getting bad and then at the WGC he finished 48th losing 6.2 strokes putting so he's been very bad with the putter and I mean that's been his downfall as of late he's had a couple of really bad approach weeks as well but the putter if we're dating back from like a year from now he's only gained strokes putting in two contests. One was the Tour of Champions and one was the Genesis. When he gained those strokes putting, he finished within the top 10. Now you have him at $9,500 for the fifth-ranked golfer in the world, a guy who's top 10 off the tee, a guy who ranks in this tournament top 10 in approach. I do like Dustin Johnson at 9500 If there was a guy that we've talked about so far that you're like, I want to build a balanced lineup, I want to get two guys in the 9K range, two guys in the 8K range, and a guy in the 7 and 6, I think starting with Dustin Johnson is not a bad idea. I do fear that a lot of people are going to do that because let's be honest, DJ at $9,500, even if he had issues before the break a little bit. I don't think he's deserving of that cheap of a price point behind guys like Brooks, who's also been struggling a ton at 9700 in less events behind guys like Xander, who's been kind of inconsistent, but consistent in in a bunch of different ways. He doesn't piece the whole entire game together. So yeah, I think that Dustin Johnson at 9500 is interesting. I do think that the range in general of Xander and Dustin Johnson 96 and 95, I like that a lot. Maybe you start a lineup with those two guys. Xander was a guy who was dealing with maybe some sorts of injuries. He came out over the pandemic and pretty much said that he was going crazy from having to just sit around and hopefully he was getting some sort of strokes in, but he's just a guy who can't put the entire game together. He's been great in some areas, mainly T to green. He's been one of the best golfers in the entire field right here. And you can see his ball striking is top 10. His overall strokes gain has been top 10. He ranks eighth in T to green. He's been cut back to back times here, but he hasn't been able to piece it together, whether it's with the putter, the around the green, the short game has really been kind of hounding Xander this entire season since the tour champions, where he did end up finishing second behind uh, JT in that one. So Xander and Dustin Johnson, so far, far stand out to me. As we go down, you see some winners from this year and Sanjay Im and Patrick Reed, Colin Murakawa, a guy who always, always, always picks up ownership. Do not be shocked when Colin Murakawa's ownership percentage is between 15 and 20% because the guy always picks up ownership. Just taking a quick look at Fantasy National right now, and you can check out Fantasy National, a really great tool. Uh, You can see that at $9,100, his past ownership percentages before the break, 24.9%, 17.7%, 26% at the Genesis, 16.7 and 15.2. You're just not getting this kid below 15% on every everybody loves him. They should. He's been fantastic. He's the fourth best ball striker in this entire field. He's been very good around the green. He's been very good when it comes to just greens and regulation. He's a fantastic player. We all know that. And 9,100, I do like it. But you know what's going to happen? If he picks up a ton of ownership, and right now I like him, right? I want to play Colin Morikawa. But if he picks up a ton of ownership, Justin Rose who has been struggling. is right there, $100 less. Who has won at this event before back in 2018? You have Patrick Reed, who has won on the tour and Sanjay M right above him. I'll be interested to see between the Sanjay M and Colin Morikawa range, who comes out with the most ownership? My guess would be Colin. Morikawa. But then after that, Sanjay M is the guy who usually picks up ownership. And I think it'll leave Patrick Reed and Justin Rose not picking up ownership. So maybe, maybe we'll see when the ownership starts to come in. Patrick Reed is sort of the contrarian play in this range of a DJ, a Sanjay, a Murakawa, who might pick up a lot of ownership. Patrick Reed and Justin Rose become a little bit of values the way that I'm looking at it early on. We'll now head to the 8K range and briefly go through these guys. A lot of interesting names. A guy who usually picks up some ownership in Tony Finau is down here. A guy in Tony Finau who has been pretty good this entire season. You have him ranked seventh in putting. You have him ranked seventh around the green. So the short game has always been there for Tony Finau, the place where he's just really been struggling just in general in the entire season, having some tea to green issues, having some overall off the tea issues for Tony Finau. He always picks up ownership, right? Uh, Just dating back to a couple of his events before the pandemic, 22.5% at the Arnold Palmer, 21% at Genesis. He was only 6% at Waste Management, 27% at the Farmers, right? And I mean, a lot of that ownership was deservingly so. Now he missed a cut at the Arnold Palmer when he had a lot of ownership on him. He finished 51st at the Genesis, but he had the runner up almost won, probably should have won the Waste Management right behind Webb that week. He finished sixth at the Farm. Top 10 at the Hero, 14th at the American Express. So he has been very good this entire season. We had a hot start to the season and it kind of trickled down. $8,700, I think is fair. Shane Lowry was trending. He's up here. He's a name that kind of stands out. It's like, oof, should he really be there? Matt Kuchar at 8500 just the man in general who is probably going to make a cut for you, who will probably backdoor his way into close to a top 10 at the end of the day. Matt Kucher is a guy who. Honestly, this year hasn't been picking up a lot of ownership, but he's that stereotypical guy in these major type of fields, loaded fields that does stand out. But normally, you see him in the seven K range. But I do like Cooch this week. Second at the Genesis, you've seen him finish top twenty at Waste Management, finished twenty second before the pandemic hit back in February, his last event at the WGC. And like I said, he hasn't been picking up ownership this year like we're used to. He normally will pick up that ownership when it comes to just the majors in general. But only five percent at the WGC, which was a loaded field, uh, less than ten percent everywhere that he's been so far. The highest ownership we've seen on Kuchar is. 9.9% this year. So Kuchar does stand out. I'm a Scotty Scheffler fan, so I'm sure I'll have some of that. Jason Day is scary after this break, and a lot of people want to be talking up uh, Jordan Spieth early on is what I see at $8,000. I personally won't be going there. You can talk about the short game. You can talk about the, the putting in general. He's a top five putter in the world right now. The guy never has ownership, has not been above 10%, similar to Kuchar, 9.9% at the AT&T, at the pro because it was Pebble, and he's obviously played there and had success there before. In 2016, he did win this event. He finished second in 2017. And in 2015, he finished second but here's the thing about course history compared to course fit. I believe in both of them. I think there's a different weight for both of them, but once you start getting past two or three years when it comes to course history, and I don't think it's a significant weight, like I'm not weighting course history. This is 50% of my model. No, no, no. It definitely matters. Your comfortability on a place, your familiarity, your experience compared to someone who's never played there. Right. But it depends on the golfer and the specific course. Jordan Spieth did finish T8 here last year. His worst finish was T32 in 2018, but starting to look back at 2016 and 15, where he finished T2 and one hard to do that because it's a totally different golfer, even 2017. But looking back at. 2019 yeah there was some success here so I understand why people start to look at him but I mean the numbers have just been so so bad he finished ninth at the AT&T where he actually had some ownership because that week he got hot he was 7.8 strokes gained off the tee the best that we've seen out of Jordan Spieth in over a year's time but ever since then he's been terrible everywhere losing 12 strokes tee to green at the WGC finishing 58th finishing 59th barely making the cut at the Genesis where he lost five strokes on approach so at $8,000 this is a guy that I'm just not going to touch like even if he's low ownership at five percent I'm just going to give that ownership to somebody else I'll give it to Scotty Scheffler in this range I'll give it to the upper 7k range to Matt Cooch or whatever it might be. And before we head over to the 7k range, I just want to solicit you for a like button, a big old subscribe button just popped up on the screen. Take one second, two seconds of your time. Click that in the bottom right hand corner and the notification bell. I'll be going live on Wednesday, just a reminder. So that will let you know and notify you of when I go live and also subscribing. It really does help this channel grow. And what I will ask you right now is who in that 9k range right here, right? This 9k range that I think is going to pick up a lot of popularity because of some of the names we talked about. Who's your favorite golfer in the 9k range? Let me know in the comments down below. We'll get a little bit of conversation going. And with that, let's get into the 7k range. So I'll blow the screen up a little bit here. You can see all the strokes gained data right here. You can see some of the tournament finishes course history, but Victor Hovland, Brant Snedeker, Daniel Berger, Kevin, now all headline sort of this 7k range right now. And I think it looks interesting. Obviously, Hovland 7,900 streaking one off tour right before the pandemic started to hit overseas. So I do like Hovland right now at 7,900. He'll stand out, but Brant Snedeker likely doesn't pick up as much ownership because he's hovered around Hovland unless other people start hyping him up. But we know that what Snedeker can do in sort of the short range is, short game in general third ranked in this field putting third ranked around the green and he's overall been pretty decent when it comes to just tee to green numbers those have been trending since the pandemic so I think Brant Snedeker is an interesting name to kind of be honing in on but somebody that I'm likely going to play just because at this point and and it's important to point out that Kevin Na won this event last year Kevin Kisner won it back in 2017 in this specific range but a guy who just hasn't been getting his justice and he was 15% owned at the AT&T so I guess that's fair but a guy who's just been balling out everywhere he goes is Max Homa now who knows he has a nice podcast he's been using his podcast very much during this break. Been listening to the podcast. It's nice. Obviously, the social media presence for Max Homa at seventy five hundred. Some people might say maybe he's two three hundred dollars too expensive. I think he's perfectly fine because not a lot of people were paying attention unless you were really dug into this thing what Max Homa was doing before break seventy five hundred dollars and his finishes this year since the Farmers ninth at the Farmers sixth at Waste Management fourteenth at the AT T fifth at the Genesis his best finish uh, in a very long time and then twenty fourth at the Arnold Palmer. He did not get to defend his title because of the pandemic of where he won last year. I believe Wells Fargo. So what we're looking at now is Max Homa coming in with his worst finish since really uh, January being a 24th at the Arnold Palmer with everybody's game up in the air fine, but at least Max Hamer was trending in the right direction beforehand and he was getting it done everywhere. T to green, off the tee approach. The only issues in blimps that he had was uh, around the green and that was barely at the Arnold Palmer and he still finished top 25. So at 7,500, when you're starting to get to the range of, can this guy just make a cut for me and push top 25? Yeah, I think Max Hama's game is in a really good spot right now. He's located in California. He's been chipping in his backyard. He's been putting in his backyard. I'm sure of it. Who knows if he's been on course right now, but hat, max on at $7,500 will stand out to me. A lot of his long-term stuff is not going to look fantastic, right? 133rd ranked in putting, but as of right now, since January, he's gained at least two and a half strokes putting in four of the five events. And he has not lost strokes putting since the American express where he finished 48th back in January of 19th. So again, we have had a three month layoff. That's that's for every single golfer we're talking about, but just the way that he was trending his short-term form before the pandemic, max on at $7,500 stands out to me a lot. And is it a PGA show without saying an idea, DF- F.S. show without me touting that Benion will be a fantastic option for you if he can just figure out how to putt. He's 134th ranked in this entire field on first look right now. Obviously, Benion is just a terrible putter. And honestly, at this point, I'm just playing Max Hama at 7,400. If people think that the off season or the offseason quote unquote three months off is going to be good for him, fine. I mean, he's fourth ranked when it comes to to Green. He's second ranked around the green, just trolling people with that uh, elite around the green play in this field. But Benion's putting is just an absolute disaster. It's a dumpster fire. It's something that um, is just so so, so sporadic when you're talking about a guy who is able to gain like seven strokes in one round putting, but then he'll lose nine strokes at the Arnold Palmer. He'll lose six and seven at the Farmers and the WGC. Just terrible when it comes to his putter. Oma at 7,500. Even Harris English has been trending at 7,500 before the break. You get some of these young kids down here in Matthew Wolf and, and Neiman who haven't been putting their games together all that much. Wolf is 125 to one and Neiman is only 80 to one. So when you're talking about Vegas odds, Neiman does stand out. So does Abraham answer at 70 to one Vegas odds. He's so cheap. If you're looking at his Vegas odd drink compared to his, salary, he's going to be one of the guys who stands out like a sore thumb in this range. Heading to the bottom of this range, uh, you see Brian Harmon down here. He's a name that at least stands out a little bit for me. Nobody else. Corey Connors is very similar. He's like the exact same player when it comes to Benny Ann, except he's cheaper and he's Canadian, uh, but he has had success here. T31 last year, a T8 the year before that. Uh, he's finished. I mean, he's just been fantastic, right? You're looking at 133rd ranked putter, very similar to Ben Ann. They're right there. Neck and neck is top five worst putters in this entire field, but he ranks 12th in T to green. He's a great ball striker he's great when it comes to approach. He's ranking top 15 in all those categories. So he is a very good golfer in a lot of aspects. It's just a short game. So if I'm going to take a chance on one of these guys, uh, give me uh, Corey Connors, who maybe picks up more ownership than Benny Am, but give me Corey Connors over Benny Am. But just in general, these guys are just terrifying with their their putting. And I don't want to be relying on it, especially when the short and long-term putting form has been atrocious. And now they haven't had three months to really consistently work on that. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe they just need a ton of time off to actually get decent at putting. We head over to the 6K range now, and I'll kind of just point out golfers that really do stand out. I mean, Danny Willett is at $6,900. I mean, last time that they updated the golf rankings, he's a top 35 golfer. So that's interesting. You see some bigger names down here in Victor Perez, who hasn't played a bunch on tour. And if you want to bet on Victor Perez playing on different tours to being elite and underpriced here, that's a narrative for you there. I mean, just in terms of his fantasy points per contest, they're going to be higher up there. But this is a guy who we really can't get too much of a a fantastic feel about. And then the man, the myth, the legend is down here below $7,000. I tweeted at Rick Run Good. uh, And it's going to be an absolutely fantastic week when Lonzo is below $7,000. I've always enjoyed playing Lonto Griffin. I'm happy that uh, Rick has now become the president of the fan club of Lonto Griffin because yeah, he's been fantastic. And when you get him this cheap, he's a really good value. I mean, he's 28th ranked in putting. We know that his short game is good, but he hasn't been picking up a ton of ownership. Like maybe he gets a 10% here and there, but for the most part, he usually stays at lower owned. Some other guys pick up a lot more than him. And he's been fine for you as a guy below 7k. What do you want? You want a guy who can push for maybe the top 25, top 30, but just make the cut at this point for us, right? You're 6,800. In Lanto's case, you're 6,900. Just make the cut at this point. And after having a little bit of a turbulent start to the year, right? Finishes top 15 at the Tour Champions, small field, but finishes seventh at the Sony. He then misses back to back cuts, but since then, he's been fine. He's made every single cut. He's finished 37, 36, 29th, 9th. He's been absolutely fine for that price point. He's a guy, due to his putting, that can pick up a lot of birdies, which is always great for the DraftKings scorings, the birdie streaks, all that stuff, bogey free rounds, even in that regard. So, Lonto at 6,900 is the one guy out of so many golfers here at the $6,900 price tag. There's like nine or 10 of them. And then when you factor in 69 and 6,800, you got like 20. Lonto is the guy who stands out to me. Honestly, at all of these names at 6,800 and above, and as I continue to look down the list at 6,700 and above, nothing's really standing out. I assume that right now I'm going to have a very good amount of Lanto maybe a little bit of Harold Varner, Charles Howe is a name that's out here. So Lanto and Victor Perez stand out as guys that I look at and go, hmm, that's at least somebody that I would be interested in and feel good about playing. We keep scrolling down and we do run into a name right here at a very nice price point for us is 6,600 and Matt Wallace. Matt Wallace is a guy that I usually like playing. I mean, he's going to be good around the greens. He's a top 10 player around the greens right now. Matt Wallace is somebody who never picks up ownership. So I mean, that's not even really a question of having to worry about it, but he's a very turbulent player. The last time we saw him, he finished top 25, but he's barely made cuts so far this year. He missed the cut at the Honda. Outside of finishing top 25 this year, he hasn't really done anything else for you. That's where you're getting at a $6,600 price tag. Somebody that due to a short game can maybe end up getting you there, um, but you're really going to need that to click and something else to click. But that's what you need in in this range anyways. Not a lot of other names down here. I see Matt Jones, Dylan Fratelli, Carlos Ortiz does stand out. Carlos Ortiz is somebody on DraftKings who usually people like to play because he does rank pretty well across the board, really. I believe he's a top 15. Yes, he's 14th ranked overall Carlos Ortiz at this price point. He's always grouped into like the Lonto Griffin price range, but now you see a pretty decent size price discrepancy here of $300 for these 6k players Ortiz was 25% on the WGC Mexico 14.9% on the Genesis 11.5% on according to Fantasy National at the Arnold Palmer so you can see that he does pick up ownership because he's usually cheap and he's a top 15 player in the world in overall total strokes gained. so he missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer but he's finished uh, top 26 we'll say at three of his last four events before that break dating back to the beginning of February so Ortiz stands out and now when you get to the $6,500 and below range honestly in a first look video I'm not going to really dive into this. I can point out some names that I notice and that maybe are interesting down here, but usually it's just going to take pulling a rabbit out of the hat for the most part. I mean, I see Tyler Duncan down here. I see uh, really nobody else that I want. Steve Stricker, if you're talking about maybe some future captain options, uh, Bill Haas, nobody that we want down here. We'll break down into this part of it uh, later on in the show. I updated some of the things because I think my T to green numbers and I believe the putting numbers are pulling from somewhere else. So this will just help you out, get the, the truer if you were trying to look at that from the first page and maybe even the second page. So they're updated right now if you're just trying to look on the YouTube version, but it's all fixed. It'll be up on Patreon. Be sure to subscribe to the Patreon. It's linked down below for not only PGA, but also PGA, the show that'll be next Wednesday, PGA only show on Patreon. Uh, talk about ownership, things like that, the model, the rankings, all that's going to be up on Patreon, as well as a lot of different sports as well. You got access to a ton of stuff when you're breaking down every single sport for all the days that I'm putting into it. It honestly will probably come out to like two, three pennies a day for all the uh, stuff and all the different sports and, and posts that you're going to be getting. So be sure to check that out. I appreciate you tuning into this one. Hit that like button for our first look of PGA, first look back. a million dollars to first. I could not be more excited. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Sal Vetri. Smash the subscribe button. A big old one just popped up on the screen. Let me know in the comments down below what you think of this video. And if you're still watching this video right now, who's your favorite option in the 9k range? I think it's an interesting question to ask everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Peace out game.